This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. People have many ideas, many plans. Uh, three, almost uh, three years ago, when I was a young man, I uh, had uh, three projects in mind that I wanted to complete. One was uh, a book about the prayers of Rosh Hashanah, Malchiot, Zichronot, and Shofrot. One was a book about Ni'ilah, the concluding prayer of Yom Kippur. And one was to be able to complete and produce the movie regarding uh, Don Yitzchak Abarbanel. And the Lord has blessed me that Bor Hashem, all three were able to come to fruition. And uh, that's not a minor blessing. The one for which I am very grateful. Tonight is about Ne'ilah. Ne'ilah, as you all know, is the final prayer of Yom Kippur. The word itself means to close, to lock up, to seal. And it was a prayer only on a Tanit, the Gemara discusses, only on a fast day. And it is the final prayer that we have to mark the great day of Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur is the happiest day in the Jewish calendar. We compare it to Purim, Yom Kippurim. So even though in the Torah it says, you will afflict yourself, and there are things that are prohibited on Yom Kippur, and nevertheless the overwhelming tone of Yom Kippur is one of joy and happiness and forgiveness, of closeness to the Creator of the sense that literally the gates of heaven are open to us. And the Elah is therefore our final chance to communicate before somehow the dates the gates of heaven are never closed. But that special occasion and the special opening on Yom Kippur comes to an end with the Trila of Nihila. The Trila of Nihila, I analyzed it in this small book. I hope that the book will be a benefit to each and every one when they come to pray, because it will give meaning and understanding and vision to what they're saying. And the language of the Trila of Nihila is one of the most majestic compositions in the holy language of Hebrew. Hebrew has a rhythm to it. 
It's a language that has, relatively speaking, few words, a small vocabulary, but its meanings are always characterized by nuances and context. In the Ilah, we will say Slichot 13 times. Then we say the great verse of forgiveness, the 13 attributes of the Rabboni Shalom, Hashem Hashem, Kel Rachum Vechanun, Erech Apayim, Rav Chesed Ve'emet, Notzei Chesed La'alofim, Notzei Ovon Vofesha Vechatov Enakei. Those 13 attributes are the basis of our relationship to the Rabboni Shalom. And on the Ne'ilah prayer, we repeat it 13 times. Now there's a magic in Hebrew in the number 13. And uh, we have 13, Echot Miodea is 13. We have 13 uh, methods of exegesis of the Torah, Torah Nejesh's book. 13 represents a greatness. And in truth of the matter, there are 13 tribes. Because we count Manash and Ephraim as separate tribes, and we have to put Levi back in the figure. So then there are 13. In the general world, 13 is something else completely. It's just the opposite. It's part of the uh, misunderstanding of the general world of Judaism and the Jewish people and the God of Israel. These 13 attributes are introduced with 13 short prayers. Some of them are a repetition of the prayers that appeared in the Slichot that we said before the High Holidays. Some of them only appear here. There are various customs amongst the various tribes of Israel as to what the 13 introductory prayers should be. The Svartim have a different one. The Taimanim have different ones. But they were composed uh, mainly from the 6th century till the 16th century. That thousand-year period of time of exile, of trouble, persecution, and of the ability to survive and the development of the scholarship of Torah. In our custom, in the Ashkenazi custom, we have certain ones that are absolutely, in my opinion and my emotions, moving beyond words. 
the subtitle of this book was uh, a loose translation of the Piyot Yachbienu Tzel Yodecha Tachas Kanfei The imagery is that God's hand, so to speak, hovers over us, and the shadow of his hand hides us so that we are not visible, and therefore it hides us on the day of judgment as well. To a certain extent, we want to be overlooked. You know, one of the uh, great good fortunes in life is when the uh, Internal Revenue Service or the Masach Nassah loses your file. We ask that heaven should lose its file on us. We're not interested in that. Having to justify ourselves. God hide us. The child is afraid, it hides behind its mother's skirts. The natural instinct to avoid danger is to hide. And the Revolver Shalom provides us with the shadow of his hand. I knew a Jew in Miami Beach by the name of Isidore Wolf. Wolf, uh, when I knew him, was 96 years old, which then I thought was an old man. I have since reconsidered the matter. Wolf lived to be well over a century. He was a member in my shul. He was a Lithuanian Jew. He was born in Kovna. He came to America when he was 15 years old, without parents, without relatives. He became a multimillionaire. He owned parking lots in New York, parking garages from the 1910s and 1920s onward. He was a fascinating person. He was the old-time Litvak that, uh, you know, did not suffer fools easily and had a wise, incisive view of life, of his children, of his family. And I would visit with him every so often. So uh, one Purim, I brought in Mishloach Monos. And he said, sit down. But when a multimillionaire tells you to sit down, you sit down. He said, you want to know why I am living so long? I said, Mr. Wolf, you know, God did give you many, many more years. He said, no, I didn't. I'm not asking you for a blessing. 
Do you want to know why? I said, certainly I want to know why. He said, I'll tell you. He said, I was an orphan for my mother and father when I was 11 years old. And I had no one to take care of me. And for a few months, I lived on the streets in Covenant. In Covenant, there was a Musur Kloiz, a group of the Bali Musur, the disciples of Ebisol Salanter, headed by the great Rabbi Yitzchak Blaser, Rabbi Yitzchak Petterberger. Rabbi Yitzchak Blaser later came to Shalim, lived here, he's buried on Arazasim. One of the noblest figures of the 19th century in Eastern Europe. And he was a Roman St. Petersburg. But he was the head of the coil of this group of Musernikas that were in Covenant. There were about 30 of them. So he said one day, one of the Musernikas picked me up and he heard that I had nowhere to be and they took me in And they made a bed for me in the base medrash by in the Ezra's Noshim on a bench. And they fed me every day. And they taught me. They gave me Torah. Even said they gave violin lessons. Different worlds. He said, then when I became 15, I saw that there was no hope to stay in Kovna. So I uh, scraped together all the pennies that I could, the kopikas, and I bought a ticket to take me to the United States. He said, but on the last Yom Kippur, that I was in Kovna. I was with the Bali Musur. That's where I was. I was with they, they adopted me. I was there. I davened with them. He said, when Yom Kippur was over, before they davened Myrav, they sang and danced for a half hour. I'm sure that they were hungry. But that was their spiritual ecstasy of Yom Kippur, that they just couldn't let it go. And he said they sang a tune to this piyut that we recite. Yachmiyeinu tzel yodecha tachas ganfeyashtin. Hide us, God. With the shadow of your hand under the wings of the Holy Presence. And he sang it for me. I I can't sing, I can't carry a tune, so I really can't give it over to you. But he said that 
So he said when they were singing and dancing, I was next to Rebitzel Petterberger, the Rebitzel Blaser. He was holding my hand. I had one hand with him and one hand with someone else. And he said, you know, a child, a teenager, when he dances, he said, I danced wildly. And I kicked him. I kicked him into the blouser. And he bent over to me and he said, "My," he said it in Yiddish, my beloved child, Keep on dancing. Long to Lebanon. You should have a long life, but don't kick anymore. So he said, Rabbi Yitzhak told me long to Lebanon. You should live a long life. So he said, Rabbi Yitzhak said it. So then heaven has to abide. So he says, that's my story. Mr. Wolf has remained with me all of my life. I think of him every young keeper. Hide us. The Nehila service has two long paragraphs that say everything that has to be said about the relationship of God and man and of the Jewish people and the rest of the world. One begins, God, you separated human beings from all other creatures from the beginning of time. We're not baboons. You gave us a soul. You gave us a mission. You made us special. You gave us control of this planet. So what can we say? You didn't do such a good job. There are a lot of things wrong. Mo'onu, what are we? Me'chayenu, me'chazdeinu, ma'tzitkeinu, ma'yishenu. What are we talking about? We're worthless. But we are not. Because you separated us from the beginning. If we were worthless, it would not have happened. Then we would be just like the animal kingdom. So you taught us something. And as Jews, you taught us and a special lesson. And you give us the Torah. And you give us the ability to do good. 
and the ability to have vision. The ability to live beyond the grave. We acknowledge the gift. And therefore, before the door closes, we want to come and visit you still. And then we have a prayer, Atonosin Yad Laposhim. God, you stretch out your hand to the sinners. No one is forgotten. No one is unimportant. The Gemara in its metaphor says, there are people who are so bad that when they come to do repentance, so to speak, the tribunal in heaven, the cabinet that meets every Sunday morning, refuses to accept them. So the metaphor that the Medrash uses is the Lord cannot bring him in through the front door. The guards won't let him in. So God has a tunnel underneath the throne of glory. And he stretches forth his hand under the tunnel to pull the sinner through. And that is what is meant by Antonio Seyad Laposhi. He'll give forth the hand to pull him through. So the evil is joy. The Lord is willing to pull us through. So we don't want to bother with the angels. And we don't want to bother with the heavenly court. And we don't want to bother with them deal with you. And that's why it says, Ator, you. You notice that in all our prayers we speak directly. There's no third person. Boruch Atol. I'm talking to you. And that's what Ni'ila reinforces for us. So in this small prayer, and I mention it in the afterword, It's a long day. We're all tired. We're all hungry. We've had it. The chazan has a time limit. The Lord protect him if he violates it. The wheel dance for a half hour after the sounding of the chauffeur before we start marriage. But Yom Kippur is Yom Kippur. 
gives us that ability. Yom Echad one day in the year. When I'm free, I'm free of the body. And I have only intellect and spirit and soul and vision and a small sense of self-understanding. So this little book, people ask me, how come you didn't get publishers for the Rosh Hashanah book? Party with Yom Kippur book. Because they're not commercially viable. It's a hundred and few pages. That's not a book. I have publishers that have told me that Jews buy books like salami. How big is it? How fat is it? How many slices? And I've written a lot of big books. But oftentimes, it's the small book that counts. It's the one word. Without all of the trappings and the synonyms and the other things that go into making a larger value. So I was successful, Baruch Hashem, through God, that certain people dedicated these books. In some of the books, their names appear. In some books, they are anonymous. And so once that happens, it doesn't become a money-making enterprise at all. So we're able to offer the book uh, practically at cost. Because it is my fervent hope that people will read the book and gain even a small insight, and then that's worth everything. To say one word correctly, to fix one idea permanently, to appreciate what the Yom Echad Bashono really is, the one great day of Yom Kippur. So I want to thank you all for coming and for buying. We also have the movie of the Abarbanel available, uh, which I think should be seen by every Jewish family, because it's relevant to us. It's not we're not telling you a story from the 1400s. He's talking to you today. Then it's a beautifully done movie. And there are other books available as well. So I thank you for coming. And I bless you all. And in Mirzashem, we should always meet at good occasions. Lila Tov. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.